Well, good morning. Good morning. If you need a Bible, please raise your hand. Kids are dismissed. Got a few Bibles here. Um, one of the ushers will bring one forward to you. We're going to be in Matthew this morning, Matthew chapter 26. This is our, our fourth um, time in a series on prayer. Uh, we looked at a mother's prayer. We looked at a king's prayer. We looked at a prophet's prayer. And today in our final series will be a, a savior's prayer. So we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 26. Still need a couple Bibles. There we go. Helen's got it. Thanks, Helen. And studying this text this week for me, it was really encouraging. Um, we're going to sort of answer a question that's, that's deep. Is What does it mean that Jesus is human? What, is, what does humanity mean? How, and how does prayer tie into that? That'll be the, our main emphasis today. Uh, the, the, uh, the poet, Alexander Pope, uh, wrote these words. You've probably heard them before. To err is human, but to forgive is divine. So it's this idea that part of the aspect of humanity is that we err. We have faults. We have failings. But when we live as God does, as a forgiveness. God is divine. He forgives. Uh, comically, others have riffed, riffed off this off Pope's line and said, to err is human, but to blame others is more human. <laughs> and I think that's pretty true. Or, to err is human, but to blame others is politics, which might be true as well. The question of what it means to be human is fundamental to understanding life. It really is. And some would say that it's our, our reason and our thought that make us human. The idea, I think, therefore I am. Others would say that it's really our biology alone. It's, it's, it, it, that we're higher life forms that have grown into who we are. It's our biology, who we are. Others would say it's, to be human means to relate to other humans. It's, it's the relational aspect of who we are. It's our socialness. Some would say a combination of all. As Christians, we look to the Bible and our desire to know what it means to be fully human. What does it mean to be what God made us to be in our human lives? And, that, and we find in the Bible that being human can only be defined in relationship to God. If you try to define that without God, it leads to error. And today, as we look at the Savior's prayer, we're going to see how his prayer is intimately tied to his humanity and how prayer is intimately tied to our humanity. We see that in prayer, man is being what God made him to be. It rightly relates, it relates man to God in prayer. The Savior's prayer is a vivid description of authentic human life. And so the big idea this morning, you'll see it up on the screen, I hope. It says this. The Savior's prayer exposes his humanity. The follower's prayer, the follower's prayer transforms his humanity. So the aspect here is that the act of praying is a, is a, a fully human act. In Jesus' prayer, specifically, the prayer before it shows forth a truly authentic human life before God. And as we pray, we're conformed into the image of Christ. In a sense, we become, in a sense, we become more human as we're transformed into the image of Jesus, who is the perfect man. We're made into the image of who he is. So we'll be looking this morning at Matthew chapter 26. If you're not there already, please turn there. It's verse 36 through 46. I'll, we're gonna, I'll, I'll read the prayer. But the context here is this is the night before Jesus' great betrayal, sad betrayal. There he will be crucified upon the cross. There he will die for the sins of the world. And I think we can most definitely say this is the most suffering that anyone would have, has ever taken place in their lives on this time. 
Let me read together. Or let me read verses 36 through 46. And as we go along, as we read, I'll say this. I'll give a little bit of commentary. Then Jesus went with them to the place called Gethsemane. Gethsemane is just at the base of the Mount of Olives, right outside of Jerusalem, and it means oil press. It's kind of apropos for what's going to happen in Jesus' life. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, he began to be sorrowful. He was grieved and troubled, distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. Come with me, watch with me. Then verse 39, and going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. The the cup is a, a metaphor for suffering. Let this cup pass for me, suffering. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Now I want you to know here, there's kind of a theological puzzle. Not as I will, but as you will. Jesus and the Father seem to have a different will. We've got to get into that later. Verse 40. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus is calling his disciples to pray with them. And they have an internal desire to pray with them, to be with them, to obey. But their human strength is not enough. Then verse 42. And again, for the second time, he went and prayed and he said, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their, their eyes were heavy. Same story, same prayer, same events, same result. Jesus prays. The disciples are sleepy. Verse 44. So leaving them again, he went and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Jesus persists in prayer. His disciples resume their rest. Three times, same event. Bible's given repetition. This is important for us. Verse 45. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See the hours at hand, and the Son of Man, the Son of Man, is betrayed into the hand of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. That's where we'll stop. The, the word, the three words, son of man, that we see here, are, are really quite important to this passage. It really stood out to me this time as I read through this. At this moment, Jesus refers to himself as the son of man. And it, the, the son of man has a rich biblical context, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, it's there 170 time, 107 times. In the New Testament, it's 82 times. That, that phrase is repeated exactly. And Son of Man in the Old Testament generally emphasizes the, the idea of, of humanity. That one is descended from Adam, the part of the human race. That humans have weakness and frailty. The, the, the book of Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel, it uses that phrase over and over again as Ezekiel's there in, 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 in Babylon captive. He's a son of man suffering in the difficult place. Son of man. And there's two occasions in the Old Testament that give a messianic reference, kind of a foreshadowing of the future, the word Son of Man. But it generally emphasizes the idea that Son of Man, human, frail, weak. In the New Testament, though, it's picked up. And nearly half of the times, this is important, nearly half of the times that the New Testament references Son of Man, it refers to Jesus, to the Messiah. So man in the Old Testament, weak and frail, is now being connected to Jesus is the Son of Man. So we know that as Christians, we know that Jesus is the Son of God, 
but it's important that we also know he's the son of man. Jesus is called the son of man because it speaks of his true humanity. He is fully man. It's just, it's very important for us to understand that. He's a descendant of Adam. He must be. He's body and soul like we are. He has thoughts and reasons as we do. He's weakness and frailty like all men. It's a common aspect of who we are, men and women. The Savior must be fully human. And he must be because he must represent humanity before God. This is important to the gospel and what we believe. And this is what Jesus did. He takes on this, this, this title, Son of Man, and he repeats it here. And it's telling us an important truth about who Jesus is. Now, with that said, Jesus' humanity is evident now in him praying. His prayer shines forth his human existence. And knowing his humanity and makes his life all the more precious to us as followers. Knowing that Jesus lived a life that was like ours, it makes his life all the more precious to us. We're going to look at this prayer in three parts. The first part is verses 36 to 38. And this is going to be the circumstances of prayer. The circumstances of prayer. Then we're going to look at verses 39 through 44. And this is the, the act of praying. Circumstances, then act. And then verses 45 through 40, 46, the resulting resolve that comes from his praying. So circumstances, then the act of praying, then the resulting resolve. And we'll start with the circumstances. In verses 36 to 38, you see this. What is the emotion of Jesus in these verses? He's sorrowful. He's troubled. And he's so troubled that it says that he is troubled unto death. Jesus in some way, it actually feels like the life going out of him. This is such a, a deep turmoil that he is in. Now, I don't think any of us can relate to that deep of trouble, but we are, can commonly understand sorrow and trouble. It, it's hard when you have a, a broken relationship, or it's hard when just there's a difficulties in raising kids, or being a kid and going through troubles with your your parents, There's, we, we have loss and death. There's all kinds of ways that we can identify with trouble. It, it's in sorrow and despair. It's part of the human experience. And when our souls face the brokenness of the world, we're weighed down and it's troublesome. The, um, some of our songs, it, it, in many ways it's hard to put into wor- words some, sorrow. So some of our poets and songs, they oftentimes can bring out these emotions in ways that we never could without those, ability, those advices. And so Psalm 6, David says this in his psalm. He says, speaking about human life, My soul also is greatly troubled, but you, O Lord, how long? I am weary with my groaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with weeping. My eyes waste away because of grief. It grows weak. Because of all my foes. There's probably not, this is probably not true for all of life for everybody. I hope it isn't because sorrow is so deep. But there's there's going to be times in everyone's life where they have sorrow and trouble. Sometimes last for a long time, some for a short period of time. We all can relate to the pang of the soul. And that's what Jesus is experiencing here deep sorrow, trouble, grief over what he's about to experience. We as people are not powerful. We're not powerful. I think one of the reasons we like watching the Avenger movies, many of us do, is because they're powerful. They can make it. They can say, or Captain America can say, I can do this all day. <laughs> we can't do this all day. We are unable. We can't do that. We're human. The Son of Man is a man of sorrows. He lived a truly human life, and that's important for us to know. 
Now, in verse 38, he says, um, it goes a little farther. And he says, he asks at the end of it, he says, for his disciples, he says, watch with me. Watch with me. Part of, well, the human experience is that we, we need others around us. And the disciples, they end up not watching with him, right? They end up sawing logs. And this only adds to Jesus' distress. We need companionship. Jesus suffered needing companionship. He wanted his disciples there with him. This is an aspect of the human life, that who we are. Another, not a modern-day superhero, but if you're uh, Ken's age, like the Westerns, the Lone Ranger. He's an American superhero of the past, right? And we don't ultimately do well as Lone Rangers. We aren't those kind of people. We can't be Lone Rangers. It's against who we are as people. And Jesus shows that in the wanting companionship and suffering. Suffering apart is even harder without support. So some way we can just pause here before we go any further is just realizing that Jesus, he suffered greatly. And he did so as a man, as a person. His sorrow, his grief, his desire for support, they are things that you and I can relate to. He can relate to us. He does relate to you through these things. And he's near to those who are brokenhearted. He's near to the sorrowful. He can relate to your pains and suffering. This is the Jesus we have. This is the way it's encouraging to know that he is fully human. That he lived that way. No matter what you go through in this life, Jesus has experienced not exactly the same, but he's experienced the sorrow and the pain that is deeper than we all have. The next thing we see in this prayer is he says that, and this is our, the act of praying, this is Jesus' act of praying. We see that he goes from this circumstances to what? He falls upon his knees, right? He falls upon his knees and he puts himself before the Lord and he begins to pray. Sorrow and suffering, trial, leads to prayer. This is Jesus' act of praying. And we see his, the depth of his humanity even more when he says, in each of the three prayers, he begins with, my father, my father. In Mark's gospel account of this same passage, he uses the phrase, he says the same thing, just as the Lord, he says, Abba, father. So Jesus says, daddy. He knows whom he's related to. He knows who, his, who God is. He's his father. He can be called his dad. He's in relationship to God in the right. He knows the authority structure. He knows who God is. And he enters into prayer in that way. One of the great pursuits of men and women, of you and I, is to know God. We need to know God. And to know ourselves. But no one can know oneself without knowing God. What it means to be human, who you are, can only be understood in relationship to who God is. Jesus knew that relationship. He knew God as Father. This is the main reason why the world struggles to understand humanity. It's because they seek to understand who we are apart from God. It's not possible. If you compare man to other men or women to other women or us to creation, you will never arrive at what it really means to be a true person made in the image of God, how God designed you to be. You can't ask, answer the big questions of what is our purpose and why is there suffering and what's with this life? Why are we here? You can't have, answer those questions by comparing humans with humans. It's only in relationship to God. Jesus knows God and, and he knows himself in relationship to God. In this way, Jesus is even more human 
than you and I. He lives into the fullness of humanity. His humanity is shown in his prayer, even in this first few words. And then, look a little farther. What does he say? He says, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. He makes a request. Suffering isn't something that we, were, we want. I mean, no one says, I sign up for suffering today. Oh, it's a nice day outside. Can we suffer? No. Suffering isn't something that was to be desired. It's not something that we should long for. But in a fallen world where there's sin, there will be suffering. And the good news, the good news is that God can use suffering for good purposes. And he does. He redeems the suffering in this world. And Jesus has come to the hour of his suffering, the great hour of suffering. And our awareness of the fullness of his humanity grows by hearing his petition. He asks for the cup to pass. Remember that the cup is the cup of suffering. He wants it to be voided. He says, in his humanity, he's saying, I don't want to suffer in this way. But he also adds, but if it is possible, if it is possible, he exposes, when he says that, he exposes a deeper humanity about himself. Not a fallen humanity, a lesser form of humanness. No, his humanity really is that he says, I don't want to suffer in my humanness, but I see greater things in who God is. There's greater authority. There's greater in, in who God is. And so he humbles, he, he puts God's will above his own will. Jesus yields his life to God's authority. He declares, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus is very honest and vulnerable here in his prayer, and he desires to escape suffering, but he's ultimately submitted. He yields to God's higher authority. This is to be fully human, to know yourself in relationship to God. He doesn't desire to suffer, but he wants the Father's will even more anything that would take place in his life. This is a fully human prayer, a prayer that sees God for who he is and sees man as under God. Really, to learn to pray in this way is to be what God made us to be, to see ourselves rightly related to God. So, when you pray, be, be honest in your prayer. Sincere. Show, share your heart. Share what's happening in your life with God. And do that in a way, in a way that helps you Rightly relate to God. Put it in perspective of who he is. But as we go through things, and we talk with God honestly about them, don't fight him. Surrender in your prayer stream. Trust God's will above your own. That's so key. Trust God's will above your own. His will is best above all else. We will someday know that. We may not see it at the moment. We will someday know that his will is best. We can know it in our heads, but someday we will know it in fact, in reality. Earlier, um, I said there was a sort of a theological puzzle in this statement that Jesus says, not as I will, but as you will, because Jesus and the Father are one. Do they have different wills? And actually, this isn't really a, a hard puzzle to solve. Jesus here is he's fully human. And the frailty of being a man, and the frailty of being a man, he desired to be, not suffer. He, he, but what combines their wills or makes their wills the same and it's that final statement where he says not as I will but as you will. Jesus says my will is the same of your will ultimately in his relationship with God. And, and he also knows but then he says if there be any other way possible for this happen the, for, for his work to take place was there any way else for it to take place? No. He had to go to the cross. So ultimately Jesus knew the will of the Father, and he desired the will of the Father. Because there's no other way for humans 
men and women, to be saved other than the cross. And so Jesus submitted his life to the Father's will, which is ultimately his will, because he wanted um, the work of the cross to take place. It had to take for us. He, he knew the greater priorities of his God. Again, this is a deeper sense of humanness. Not our wills, but God's will be done. Jesus says, not my will, but your will be done. This is authentic human life lived in light of who God is, rightly related to God. A little bit of application for us. Being strong and having it all together is not what it means to live well. We don't have to be strong and have it all together to live well. Living in right relationship to God is what it means to live well. Praying is fundamental to helping us understand what that those, the, the will of God. Pray is, prayer is under, helping us grow in um, conforming our, to will to, our, our will to the will of God. This is the way that we live fully human. It's not about being strong, but being conformed to his image. So, do you put the weight of your, the world in your shoulders at times? I know I do. I need to confess that to the Lord. Do you, need to, do you feel you need to be strong and have it all together in a particular relationship or particular at work or whatever it might be? Don't do it. It's crushing. We are not made to be superheroes. <laughs> We're not Captain America. We're not the Lone Ranger. You... We, we, we can rest and be at greater peace in God and knowing that in light of who he is, in light of who we are, there's a rest and a peace that we can experience suffering in a way that we're not trying to escape suffering but commit ourselves to the will of God. And this is much better. So let's look now at verses 45 through 46. In this last point, we're going to see something about Jesus and how when he sorrow and suffering leading to prayer, results in a resolve from praying. There's a resulting resolve from praying. Let me read the verses, 45 and 46. It says, Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hand of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. His prayer is in weakness. But it leads to some. It leads to great strength, but not strength in his own flesh. It's a strength found that is yielded, yielded to God. A- after sorrowing unto death, um, after and then giving a petition of not my will but your will be done. If there's any way for this cup to pass, he ultimately yields to God's will. And in yielding in prayer, he gains a steely resolve. He's set in what he's going to do. He, he knows what has to be done, and in his weakness. He just says those words, rise, let us be going. Get up, guys. There's a, we're, we're, we're going somewhere. And he walks boldly into suffering, and he walks into the will of God for his life. I, I think, um, well, raise, uh, I guess I'll raise, yeah, raise your hand. If you know the word t- name Todd Beamer. Todd Beamer, most of you know, was the man who declared, let's roll. Remember that? September 11th of 2001. He was on flight 93, United Airlines flight 93. And the hijackers were going to use a plane to destroy human life. And he and some other folks gathered together and they said, we are going to rush the cockpit and save others' lives at the stake of our own lives. 
He's known as a hero in our culture. Um, actually, the school that my daughter Anna is going to be going to, um, Wheaton, in next, next year, which is pretty exciting for her. Um, the, he was a, a student there, and there's um, a, a building named after him. Anyways, it's in honor of him. What I didn't know about Todd Beamer was that right before it happened, right before they did it, they read from Psalm 23. He submitted his life unto the Lord, and he did that with others. And he submitted his life in a prayer. And imagine these words when you're thinking about doing something such as that right before. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. I don't know how those words were comforting to him. And then he went from that prayer in a psalm to saying, rise. No, he said, let's roll. What did Jesus say? Jesus says, rise, let us be going. Those two phrases, they have the same idea. There's resolve in what they've done. They've prayed in weakness, and there's a resolve from that prayer. There's a strength in it. Humans, we can be at times very powerful in a number of ways. Just, just think of the ways that you've seen humans be powerful. I mean, I, I, I'm a sport, I like sports. There's some amazing things that people do with their bodies or shots they make or strength they should show, gymnastics. It's amazing some strength that we do. There's people that are, have oratory skills that can just take a group of people and you know, run them into battle. There's a strength in that. There's a way in which people can be powerful. Songwriters can transform a culture by the words that they, they say. But true human strength... True human strength, the best human strength, is that strength that is under God, that's yielded to God. The man of sorrows, Jesus, the son of man, he showed great human strength. And how he, what he did here, he submitted himself to God. And that led to a steely resolve that he was going where he was going. It was set. When you pray, God not only transforms our attitudes and our thoughts, but he really transforms who you are. You become more of the man or woman that God has made you to be as you pray. He transforms us from the inside out. We said before that we don't have to be strong and have it all together. That's true, right? But there is a strength that comes from um, submitting yourself to God. And that strength is great and mighty. It's a wonderful strength. It is a resolved strength in submitting to God. Uh, when I'm sure in each of your lives, there's been a time where you have to, there has been and there will be a time when you have to stand up for something that's important. Maybe at the sake of your own career. Maybe at the sake of a, a relationship. Uh, maybe at the sake of financial cost. Those are hard decisions at times. You have to make a decision like that. And there's a way in which you come to the Lord in prayer and you submit it, that you have strength and resolve to make it through. This is a power that comes through prayer. Like Todd Beamer, like the Son of Man, there is great strength in yielding to the Father's will. And this is an authentic form of living out how God desired you to be. And before we close, I want to um, just talk about something that really touched me this week, and I hope it um, helps you as well. In my own mind, I often downplay Jesus' human life because I know that he's divine. I know he's God. I downplay it. I think, I think in a sense, I think, well, Jesus was without sin, 
But that's because he's God. And I think, well, Jesus fasted for 40 days in the wilderness, but that's because he's God. Or Jesus endured the cross, but that's because he's God. I know that Jesus is fully human in doctrine, but I also know that he's God, and so I underestimate his, his humanity and his relatability to us. And in studying this prayer, I'm more amazed at the life of Jesus. He lived a fully human life, a life that's more human than you and I. He is, the things he experienced are common to all, and he experienced them to a greater degree than you and I have. He's the only man who's ever lived as he ought to live, full in humanity. We have all lived broken lives, lives that are less than human, subhuman, because of our, our flesh, our carnal desires, less than human. But Jesus lived a fully human life. People, you and I, were made in the image of God. But our image of God has always been less than what the image of God was meant to be. Jesus lived in the image of God perfectly. He is the image of God. He lived his life fully as a man. And that means he's reliable. That means he's normal. That means he is our savior who goes before us and leads the way. And the one who, when we're in Christ, we take on the righteousness of this man who lived that way. He changes and he transforms. He's a he was a true man who lived in that way. And this really stood out to me as I was looking at this prayer. Christians, we can apply this to our lives. The fallenness of man, it really does, it makes praying hard. Hard. The, the, the fallenness of who we are, that we're subhuman, we don't always um, enter into prayer in the way we should or desire prayer or have a right related to God in prayer. And this isn't something we should just say, okay, then I'm going to do it. I'm going to make my, I'm going to push through, I'm going to pray. No. We pray in light of who Jesus is. We pray in thankfulness that he's come into this world as a man and showed the way and that he transforms our lives. In thankfulness, we live in that way. The good news is Jesus has led the way and he's made the way for us to be changed and transformed little by little. We were being conformed into his image. And one day when we see him, we're going to be like him in a, a wonderful way. And so today when we pray, we are growing in that. Prayer helps us to transform. This is one of the reasons that prayer is paramount. Because prayer, it orients our bodies and our minds and our relationship rightly to God. And Jesus himself, think about it in the text. He went from sorrow to a petition and a request And then in finding the answer of, well, God, he was transformed into a steely resolved. Prayer changed Jesus' way he was going. It it settled where he was going. The same thing is true for us as we pray. It takes us to a new place. It transforms our will into God's will. We come more like into the image of who Jesus is. So when we pray, don't pray out of duty. Don't pray in your own strength, but do pray. <laughs> I guess we, we've, we've, we've gone through four different prayers. Do pray. Pray because it molds us into the Son of Man. It, pray because it changes life. Pray because it orients us to God well. We get to know him more and changes us. Pray in the light of that. 
you who are in Jesus, who are in Christ, you are being made into the image of the Son of Man, image of that Son of Man, fully human in a great way. Prayer is transformational, and it's an important tool. It's a wonderful tool to help us grow towards what God has us to be. So what is it to be human? Is it our reason and thought? Is it our biology? Is it our relationships? Well, it's certainly not less than those things. Those things are important in our lives. But to be human is to know God and to be rightly related to him. And to pray as Jesus prayed is to help us be transformed into the image of the Son and become what God ultimately has us be in Christ in his image. And one day we will be there. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Um, I pray that each of us uh, today would just leave here a little bit more understanding of how amazing it is that God became man, that you are, that your experience, who you were, who you are, is common to all, that you were, you were fully human and you've lived a fully human life and then you are bringing us towards that end goal of transforming us into who we were meant to be. So we, we thank you for that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.